on Rad TV. Mix picks on Rad TV. Mix picks on Rad TV. You like that high quality jingle we got you there, Steve? Yeah, I was trying to figure out what exactly it was. It wasn't a, a Ben Sevenfold, but uh, no. Not sure. That's a that's a Brandon, as we call it uh, around around here. He creates these things. So uh, welcome to Mix Picks on Rad TV from uh, RadRadio.com. I'm Rob Williams. Joining me, as always, from Las Vegas, is Steve Mickelson from MixPicks.com. Two Ks and Mix, Two Ks and Picks. When Steve and I came up with this concept, you and I, Steve, we liked we liked the description of uh, it's guys sitting around a sports bar uh, or one of their game rooms talking sports. Uh, everything so that'll get us everything from X's and O's to did you see that and just have fun and, and yeah we'll get into some stuff deeper and I'm sure at some point we will argue uh, as, as well but we're, we're just here to have to have fun and it, I see you're all decked out in Lions gear as you get ready for tomorrow night's opening game big game uh, all right and every now and then yeah we'll get into sports betting now and then you know Steve's been running sports books uh, forever we actually have uh, an email that already came in in anticipation and people can email us during the show red at radradio.com Juan wrote in and said football is back this is my favorite part of the year which starts this week and goes through the end of the year holidays and starts the new year with playoff games and finishes with a Super Bowl in February first things first Steve glad to hear you back on the regular show and now the extra sports show every week. So excited. Got a question for you. Do you ever do and or go over fantasy football? Like who could be sneaky good players or how some players could have advantages due to matchups? You've, you've done fantasy, haven't you? I've done fantasy for many, many, many years. The, the problem I have, and this is a personal thing, um, fantasy and sports betting are two different things, even though now, you know, the player props and all that is a big part of it. Uh, I'm too opinionated. You know, I'm a Lions fan. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is there on the draft board, but I'm not going to take him because I don't want the Packers to do good. I don't want Aaron Rodgers to do good. So I will take a lesser player because there's players and teams that I don't want to succeed. And, you know, so that's my problem with the fantasy. I think it's great. I mean, everyone I know plays fantasy football, but that's my personal thing. You know, I'm not a Cowboys fan. Emmett Smith, one of the first picks you should always take. Yeah, I'm gonna pass because I hate the Cowboys. <laughs> See, this this was my hangup, and I know this is this is a very antiquated complaint about fantasy football, and I have done it a few years. Uh, I'm not doing it currently this season. It's similar to yours, but I I found that my competitive side because I think when I started doing fantasy was right before the Niners got good again, so about a decade ago, uh, or maybe you know add a couple years, and so at first I I I, I didn't want to pick the Niners players because they stunk. And so I didn't. But then I had these players that would then play the Niners, who I'm still rooting for. And it was that weird thing of, wait a minute, I'm rooting for my fantasy players to beat my team. And it kind of makes this conundrum for me. And and the guys that like shove aside their loyalty to their teams for their fantasy team, I'm always like, yeah, I can't do that as an old school sports fan. No, absolutely. And then you take the sporting... You, you know, the betting element. Oh, hey, this wide receiver had a huge game and helped me win my fantasy, you know, league. But the team got blown out by 21 points. It's kind of that, you know, and that's where it's kind of different than the sports betting is, you know, quarterbacks who have good weeks, you will see, are playing for losing teams because they're down. They're down big. They got to throw the ball. They get a bunch of passing yards. You know, and if they don't throw the interceptions, they can still score a decent amount of points. 
but it's like your team still lost. You know, Kirk Cousins, you still blew the game on Monday night, but yet, oh, hey, great game. My fantasy stats were good. Yeah, and the guys that you see the next morning at the office, and you know, let's say, they're Vikings fans, and the Vikings lost. You're like, oh, hey, man, tough, tough loss. And the first thing they say is, yeah, but my fantasy team did great. It's like, huh? Yeah, that. yep, exactly. Those are my issues with fantasy, but it's great. I'm glad everybody partakes in it you know who wants to and uh, i have nothing against it it's just it's not for me yeah no and 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 i have a lot of friends that are like us and they've found a hack around the the, the things that I'm, I'm complaining about and what take would you expect from two middle-aged guys with their reading glasses on so uh let's let's get to uh let's get to the big thing nfl season starts tomorrow let's start by getting caught up on everything that happened in the off season uh so uh, that everybody knows what we think of it because that's really important um in no particular order we'll start with the niners brock purdy will start at quarterback. Trey Lance is gone. Uh, what, uh, and and as of a moment ago, as far as I know, unless you have inside information, Nick Bosa is still not signed. So let's start with the quarterback thing, Steve. The Trey Lance thing uh, was immediately panned once they traded him to the Cowboys on a number of fronts. Steve Young, former 49ers quarterback, says, what are you doing trading him to the Cowboys? We don't do that. It's the Charles Haley uh, um, lesson. Don't trade somebody great to the Cowboys of all people and then uh, they got just rolled for this could be one of the worst draft draft picks in modern history etc i mean it's nothing short of a disaster but they were right to cut bait with trey lance correct i think they had to at this point i think there's more that went on besides just this play on the field and in practice you know the sad part is when you look at it the draft picks that were involved trey lance equals jalen waddle tyree kill and Devonta Smith. So if you were to, I mean, and obviously the 49ers wouldn't have gone and gotten all three of those players, but that's a huge haul for Trey Lance. And to basically get a fourth round pick for those people is, is crazy. You know, they brought in Sam Darnold. And to me, that was the sign that the 49ers are moving on because Darnold's been around the league. He was a high draft pick. At times, he's looked pretty good, but he really hasn't played in a system with a good quarterback coach type of thing that could allow him to maybe develop. And when they brought him in with this 49ers system, it's like maybe he could be really good, uh, but they didn't just bring him in like a Josh Johnson. Hey, look, we need a body. They brought him in for a reason, and and I think that showed the end of Trey Lance. And I think you and I were texting that was earlier this year when Sam Donald came in. That we both knew at that point. Point that point they, they were done with Trey Lance, and I think that's to your behind the scenes thing of whatever else was going on. You were never big on Trey Lance. Do you think he still has a future of any kind in the NFL? I'll tell you, as a Lions fan, I was hoping the Lions would trade a fourth round pick for him. I, I think there's potential there. A fourth round pick, you're really not expecting that player to make it in the NFL. It's a body, hey, look, maybe we can develop him and he can play. But for the most part, you don't see fourth-round picks, you know, every year becoming instant starters, you know, going on to make Pro Bowls, going to the Hall of Fame. Yes, there are plenty of players who have. But your fourth-round pick, you're not looking at this person needs to be a, a team leader. So take the flyer on it. There's a reason the 49ers drafted him where they are. You know, Jared Goff, still jury out a little bit on him. Is he... The quarterback we saw with the Rams that led him to the Super Bowl or last year with the Lions, or is he that quarterback there for a couple of years that, you know, couldn't really play at all? So 
I thought it was a great pickup for the Cowboys. I just wish a different team would have picked them up. Um, obviously, you know, if you're watching or listening to this, you know a lot of this stuff that happened. We're just trying to get caught up and kind of give you an overview of things. I mean, Tom Brady, as far as we know, is actually legitimately retired. There's been some silly, I think, rumors over the summer that he might come back. Uh, I, I guess the, the question there more for me is that the Buccaneers, are, they're a mess now, right? I mean, that, that's over. They're, they're back to the Yuccaneers. They are. You're looking at uh, Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield battling for that first spot. I haven't heard who's actually starting week one. It's probably been out. It's just I haven't dove deep enough into it to really care. It's an aging team. A lot of players came in because of Tom Brady. You know, they've overturned that roster. And this Buccaneers team really just isn't very good and, you know, not going to win a whole lot of games. And, uh, okay, the big the big one, right, has to be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the long national nightmare of two or three off seasons, everybody wondering, didn't even want to play in Green Bay. He winds up uh, with the, the New York Jets. Boy, is he getting the hype in the with the Jets. He's leading the team. He's Mr. New York. A lot of people, as we'll talk about, have the Jets going really far this season. Uh, let's start with the Aaron Rodgers part of it. I, I saw an interesting article this morning, actually. A lot of people said, don't worry about Rodgers in the offense. Watch that Jets defense because Robert Salah, or Saleh, I always screw that up, formerly of the Niners, he's built this defense into something, and that's why a lot of people are high on the Jets. Yeah, with a really strong defense, if Aaron Rodgers can come out, play motivated, and be the Aaron Rodgers that we've known that's won four MVPs, this could be a pretty good team. You know, they also brought in Dalvin Cook at running backs. So you add him in there. They had the offensive rookie of the year last year, wide receiver Garrett Wilson, who they expect to continue that growth to become one of the elite wide receivers in the league. And, of course, you're going to see Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, two former wide receivers of the Packers that have followed Rodgers into New York. really just comes down to Aaron Rodgers. Is he the elite quarterback we've all known? Is he going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder and want to prove to the league that he's not done? Or is it the Aaron Rodgers who the last two to three years has been a huge distraction for the team and off the field and has just seemed disinterested at times? I think he's going to play. I think he's motivated. And, and I like the Jets, but it is a tough division with the Bills and Josh Allen. And the Dolphins are really good, too. And I don't think, as a lot of people have tried to make it, it's comparable to when Brett Favre left, left the Packers. Aaron Rodgers still has game if he wants it. And, and I think there's something I, – I think he does have something to prove, and I almost think it would be rather disappointing if he didn't prove something this season. I would be very disappointed. As much as I dislike him, <laughs> if he doesn't come out and isn't one of the three to four best players, and I'm not saying quarterbacks, players in the league, I would view it as a disappointment. I do love this very quick trend with uh, the mixed picks on Rad TV. A lot of it is the list of grievances of people that Steve Mickelson does not like. All Dallas Cowboys, Aaron Rodgers. We already know that you and I share a hatred of Kirk Cousins. By the way, did you ever have you did you check out that quarterback show on Netflix? No, I did not. See, don't. I mean, it's an excellent show. You actually would love it. Uh, it's really, really behind the scenes, in depth. You see what these guys go through. But the first season, there's only been one so far. It makes you want to like Kirk Cousins. I don't, but it makes you want to like him. Um, okay, so so uh, Aaron Rodgers gone from the Packers. Finally, Jordan Love gets his chance uh, at the reign of quarterback in Green Bay. Green Bay, since Brett Favre has been a perennial contender, are they still? I have a hard time with it. I think this is the first quarterback other than Brett Favre 
and Aaron Rodgers to start for the Packers week one since 1993. So we're talking like 30 years. Those two have been the quarterback there. The, the inside stuff that I end up reading is, is Jordan Love still isn't able to fully read the defenses, adjust to what the defenses are putting out. It's going to be interesting to see what they have. They have a very strong rushing attack. Look for them to really run the ball to keep the pressure off of Jordan Love. What is this now? His fourth year in the league, I believe. Yep. Guy's got to step up. You know, you're looking at that fifth-year player contract. Is he going to be the quarterback? But he has to be coming out great. There's no tomorrow. He's got to prove it and prove it early in the season that he can be their quarterback. Or Green Bay is going to go into possibly what the, we're seeing with the Cardinals. Hey, look, let's go tank it. Let's go see if we can make, you know, if they start 0-4, Maybe we can get into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes and just say, heck with it. Jordan Love doesn't work. Let's go get our next quarterback. Yeah, we'll dive into that Cardinals story because you answered the question I was thinking. The As far as I know right now, the Packers don't have plan B. It's Jordan Love, and if he, God, they go 0-4 or worse, they, they do go into rebuilding mode, don't they? Absolutely. And I, I think they're probably more in rebuilding mode than contending mode. Um, by the way, I did confirm Baker Mayfield was named uh, the starter for week one for the Yuccaneers. So, yay, cross that off our list. Um, now you like him, Steve? Now you're a Yuccaneers fan? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, all right, Jimmy Garoppolo signed with the Raiders for three years and uh, 72 million dollars. Uh, does that, I, man, I'm not seeing anything positive about the Raiders this year. You know, I mean, is Jimmy Garoppolo really a big upgrade over Derek Carr? That's you know, I don't think so. I, I think you're really close. Right. And you look at it, and Jimmy Garoppolo, he wins, which is a great tribute. But he's always hurt. So even if he if he wins, but if he can't be playing because he's on the sidelines injured, what good does it do it? So I don't see it as – you know, making any difference with this. The Raiders are in a tough division. So that's going to be tough for them to win that division. Anyway, I just don't think they have the talent. They have a bad linebacker core. They have a bad secondary, you know, so if Max Crosby can't get pressure on the quarterback, you know, what are they really going to do? Plus uh, a couple of days ago, uh, Chandler Jones came out and just ripped the Raiders front office and especially Josh McDaniels, the head coach. And they need him to perform and perform at a high level to help Max Crosby put pressure on quarterbacks. And if he's not happy and he wants out of town now, because, and I don't get it. If I'm a player in the NFL team and I want to go work out and it's the weekend, and this is stuff I don't know because it's behind the scenes. How am I not able to go use the team facility? You would think it's open for players 24 seven, just go use it. Here it is. This is what we want you to do. We're encouraging you to do this. And they lock the facility and he can't get in. What's there? Now, an NFL, look, you can't use team facilities on weekends. And if then that's, then it's on Chandler Jones. But it doesn't make sense to me. I think there's a lot more here. Yeah, no, I, I was wondering because I remember the Chandler Jones incident, but I didn't follow up on was there an explanation to why he can't get in and, and do what we would want him to do as a teammate and as a team member practice? Uh, there has not been an explanation. And, you know, on his part, do you really want Chandler Jones going to a local gym and working out? You know, <laughs> I mean, you kind of want him with the team in the team facility. You know, if something goes wrong, you got, and on the weekends, maybe you don't, but you, you kind of want him on the team facility when they're doing this. Um, so uh, you mentioned Derek Carr. 
He left the Raiders. He went to the Saints. If Garoppolo isn't really an upgrade over Derek Carr, which I, he, they're the same guy, is Derek Carr the guy that makes the Saints better? I absolutely believe Derek Carr is going to make this Saints team better. And the big part of this story that no one's really talking about that surprises me is all the time when Carr was with Gruden in, you know, with the Raiders, we kept hearing about how Gruden didn't want Carr. He was looking for another quarterback. And we heard that every single year. Well, the Saints brought John Gruden in to teach the offense to the Saints. So Gruden during the offseason has been basically an offensive coordinator for the Saints. And if Gruden didn't like Derek Carr, why is he with the Saints now teaching this? He's not a coach for the Saints. Why is he with the Saints teaching this offense? And, and I think the Saints offense, which really has struggled last year, the year before, without Sean Payton, I think this Saints offense is going to be a lot better than people think. You got Chris Olave, who's a excellent wide receiver. If Michael Thomas can get back to just playing good football he doesn't have to be the pro bowl wide receiver he was prior to his injuries but he's been out the last couple of years and Derek Carr if they go to that John Gruden offense I think this team can put up points which is why they're favored to win this division it's so funny uh, because when that John Gruden story broke if we would have been doing this podcast then I would have made a fool of myself because I would have said oh my god this is going to be the biggest story there's no way that the NFL is going to let this go, that the media is going to let this go. And it came and went in a blip. It was never talked about again. And after everything that was attached to John Gruden, unceremoniously leaving not just the Raiders, but the entire league, the fact that he's done exactly what you just described to me is extraordinary. Yeah, the fact that there was no media coverage really at all on this it is astonishing because you would have thought that anything that John Gruden did in the NFL again would be pretty much leading news and, and everyone would be covered and and it didn't happen and uh you know i'm real interested to see this thing so you alluded to uh, the caleb williams sweepstakes yes we're already talking about next year's draft but this draft was quarterback heavy quarterbacks dominated the early picks in the 2023 draft you got carolina's bryce young uh he's on carolina now uh cj stroud went second overall to the texans poor bastard anthony richardson uh went to the colts at number four will levis he's the poor guy that slipped all the way to the second round he's with the titans which of those if any of them or all of them stand out to you as yeah they're going to be something real in the nfl Boy, I'm having a hard time. I, I, of them all, I'd probably take Bryce Young with Carolina. You know, Frank Reich's their head coach there. He's an offensive mind, former quarterback in the NFL. So I think it gives him a good shot. Carolina also plays in a poor division. He's going to be starting week one. But I found it interesting when you look at the first-round quarterbacks of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson, all of them went to teams with first-year head coaches. So talk about the coach being attached to that quarterback for their future. If the quarterback succeeds, obviously, they're going to get a second contract as a coach. But if that quarterback doesn't succeed and is not the franchise quarterback that they're expecting, you know, these coaches are going to be moving on and looking for another job there as well. You know, Will Levis is sitting there, but he's not going to be a starter. Ryan Tannehill, who everyone's been trying to get rid of for years and years and years, <laughs> a quarterback. Uh He's sitting behind him, but Tannehill's going to be starting in week one. So uh, uh, Young went number one, Stroud went number two, Richardson went number four. 
is this a function of how desperate NFL teams are to just get a quarterback that they all picked, use their picks or position themselves that three of the four, four picks were taken. I know it's the most important position in all of professional sports, but your initial reaction is eh, not so impressed. And yes, I understand why they took them, but I I'm old school. I come from the, if you don't have a big offensive line, defensive line, if you can't pressure the quarterback and you can't protect the quarterback, your quarterback position is really not as important as people think. I think if you took Peyton Manning and you threw him on the Lions during all those years, he'd be a good quarterback, but I'm not, I don't believe in any way you'd be talking about Peyton Manning as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game because of the system, the team. And if they can't block for you, what good does it do you? And that's where it gets interesting. And touch on Anthony Richardson. This is a guy who at the Combines is off the charts in every category. Arm strength, speed, size, everything. You look at this player and you think how great he could be. But has he really ever showed you anything? I mean, with Florida, he didn't do a whole lot. It's just one of those that on paper and in practice, he is incredible. But then when it comes game time, he's never, ever come close to living up to that hype. And he's the one I think is going to crash and burn. He could be a Hall of Famer or he's going to crash and burn. And I'm leaning towards he's going to crash and burn. And it just, you know, just because you look great at the combine doesn't translate into what you do on the field. And we see that all the time with these players with great combines who never do anything in the NFL. And then you get the guys like a Tom Brady, you know, oh, he runs a 5-6-40. He doesn't have the arm strength. A Drew Brees, he's too short. And then they go on, and they're incredible NFL players. That that combine complaint is right in line with old guys like us because, uh, you know, Michael Wilbon on ESPN and so many others, we all, we're all, we all, like, almost uh, – we have, we have a, a – and we're anathema to this overuse of analytics and all of these stats and computer models and formulas which guide all this stuff that somehow claim if this, then that. We know there's so much more to predicting talent and success, especially when you're talking about in the NFL, than just, well, if he ran this fast at the combine, then he's going to be great. We just have to take him. Right. But yet one of the questions I wonder is why do they never put them in pads when they run at the combine? They let them run in shorts and a T-shirt. They'll never run in shorts and a T-shirt in a game. <laughs> You know, and, and and the old school, we believe in the eye test. Yeah, absolutely. it's what you see. You watch game film. You watch the plays. You watch it happen. Your eyes don't lie, and that's the part that I have with analytics that I disagree with. Is it just has gone so much analytics, and they don't believe the eye test anymore? And I believe in the analytics. I was one of the first people to get behind the analytics. And, hey, look, on base really does matter because you need to get on base in order to score versus striking out type of thing. But we've just gone, you know, from 0 to 10. We were at a 0. We went to 10. You know, we need to be in that 7 range, you know, and still have that eye test. And, and that's my complaint is it seems that we've pulled that eye test out of it. And no sport has has oversaturated themselves with analytics than baseball. And you're right. They have gone so far. I mean, this is analytics really are the reason that we have the pitch clock now because you got managers pulling a pitcher every batter because somebody's phoning down from the luxury box and says, hey, the stats say you got to bring in this guy who's a righty and pitch to a lefty, even though that doesn't make any sense. 
Correct. And expanding on that, in the old days, look, you got to develop three pitches if you want to pitch in the major leagues. You got to be able to get hitters out. You don't go 100% maximum on every single pitch. You got to learn how to pitch, how to set up a, a batter. And, and you heard John Smoltz tell stories <laughs> all the time about Greg Maddox and how he will sit there and say, look, I'm going to throw this on pitch one. This is what's going to happen. This on pitch two, this is what's going to happen. And on pitch three, I'm going to get at, get him out. It's going to be a ground ball to shortstop. And Smolsey would say he would sit there and watch it. <laughs> and everything that Maddox told him in the dugout would happen. That's pitching. It's not just I throw 106 miles an hour and hope I can hit the catcher's mat. And Maddox, one of the greatest of our time, man. Uh, and and, 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 and he couldn't play in today's day. No. Because he doesn't throw hard enough. No NFL team would even look at him. They would just, I mean, sorry, Major League Baseball team wouldn't even look at him. <laughs> they would just say, hey, look, he doesn't throw hard enough. Yeah, you're not going to get batters out. Move on. By the way, you mentioned uh, Peyton Manning a, a few minutes ago. Did you happen to see or watch the promo for the Manning cast that came uh, out? No, you're coming to find out. I really don't watch a whole lot of TV other than sports. And and look, I I'm I was against the Manning cast when it came out because it, they they run it like simultaneously with Monday Night Football. I'm like, I want to watch Monday Night Football. I don't need these clowns clowning on the games. I don't watch it all the time. It's it's very entertaining, but just the promo, which goes just beyond sports that they just released yesterday. It's so funny and self deprecating and. It's so entertaining, and Peyton Manning's in that group of entertainers. Or I'm sorry, athletes who who have it's this post athletic career as entertainers, and it's it's great to see those guys. So if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. No, absolutely. And if you remember, I did watch it one time when it first was coming out, and I texted you yeah. and said, "Not that I'd ever want to lose you, but my way would be <laughs> after your show on Monday, you they would fly you to wherever it is." because I felt they needed a host. They needed a person like you. And I think if they added a person like you, that would become the number one show on TV because it's professional football. With that, you watch the game, you get the commentary. So you know this, I texted you that like the first time I watched the show, that's what the show needs. It's that's very flattering. And you're right, that is what the show needs. You, you This is why the broadcasting booth has always been set up with there's the play-by-play -play guy who's the professional broadcaster. Then there's the guys that have played the game, and that show would thrive with the same thing. Somebody to keep them in line. Keep the cats yep. wrangled is what they need. Um, all right, back to the offseason because we're about ready to start. Coaching, biggest move has to be, I would think, Sean Payton takes over the Denver Broncos uh, after 16 years in New Orleans. Seems to have a real chip on his shoulder. Uh, started earlier this year making some comments about how awful everything was in Denver before him. Um, and I've always thought he's one of the best coaches out there. I don't know if he can revitalize Russell Wilson's career, but the Broncos are better off with him, aren't they? Absolutely. And I'll be honest, as a fan, it is so nice to hear honesty coming out of the coaching staff. I know you don't want to step on other coaches, other players and various things like that. And he probably shouldn't have said it, but as a fan, it was refreshing to hear because every one of us know it was a train wreck last year in Denver. Nothing went right. The coaching staff was awful. Hackett did a terrible job and we saw it right out of the gate with that team. But we all know he's brought in, he's got to fix Russell Wilson. If he can do it, this will be a really good team. If Russell Wilson really is as broken as he was last year, I think Sean Payton's smart enough to learn he's got to move on quickly. 
you know, maybe you trade him to Arizona for a Kyler Murray, take a shot there or something like that. But uh, he'll figure it out, and I think I think he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. So, and we know he's safe for for a while. But it, it always seems silly to a lot of people to have this conversation right before the season starts. But do you have any head coaches that are on your hot seat that right away you go, if this guy starts zero and four, if this guy has a losing record by the midway point, he's done. Is there anybody that right away you go watch that guy? Yeah, I don't really go into that. It's people's livelihoods. I'm not one to sit there and thrive on. Who, who's going to go? You know, I, I think the uh, LaFleur with the Packers has got to be on the hot seat if Jordan Love turns out to be awful, even though it's not his fault. He's not the GM. He didn't make the pick. It, I, I look at Jonathan Gannon. He was the Eagles defensive coordinator who came over to fix the Arizona Cardinals. To me, he's a one and done. I just I don't think he's even going to get a chance to coach in the NFL. And it's sad, and hopefully he'll get two or three years out of it. But he's not an offensive mind, so even if they tank and they draft Caleb Williams, he's not the guy to you know get him ready for the NFL and develop that offense that's going to give him success. So I don't see him sticking around because you're going to want an offensive-minded coach with the Caleb Williams in order to let that team succeed. I like D'Amico Ryans with Houston, you know, the, oh. the 49ers. I, I, I think he is going to be a very good head coach. I think they just got to give him time. They had a great draft, but this roster was really depleted of talent. So hopefully they give him enough time to have a couple more really good drafts like they did this last year. Frank Reich, I think is a really good offensive mind, but Carolina, it's a tough place to succeed. So it, it'll be interesting there. Um, Bill Belichick, it's nice to see the Patriots actually looking up at the rest of the division after winning it for what 21 years or whatever the heck it was. Um, so I'm going to enjoy that seeing the Patriots <laughs> be the, the seller the whole season. But at a certain point, you know, I, I think there's starting to be that rift between ownership and Belichick because Belichick is so stubborn in his ways. I, I it easily I don't think they'll fire him, but it could be a forced out of New England. Look, Bill, it's time for you to go on. I don't want to humiliate you and fire you, but you know what? It might be time for you to resign and just say, if you want to keep coaching, go elsewhere. But just say, hey, look, you know, I want to take a step back. I want to reevaluate and figure out what I want to do, you know, going forward. Nate Davis, who's uh, one of the NFL beat writers for the USA Today, did his Here Are the Coaches I'm watching this year. Uh, column and he he mentioned Belichick and he reminded me uh, that at the NFL's annual meeting in March, owner Robert Kraft publicly expressed disappointment that his team hasn't won a playoff game since losing Tom Brady. They also have a losing record by one game, 25 and 26. Tom Curran, who's reported from Boston for decades on the Patriots, said that Belichick's status as the organization's football emperor is no longer on steady ground. And he also points out Belichick only needs 19 wins. To break Don Shula's all-time record for coaching victories, he might not have enough seasons in New England to get there. Yeah, that's the part that's scary because, you know, and and we remember when the Patriots were irrelevant for many, many, many years. They finally became a great franchise with all their Super Bowl wins, etc. I I think guys like Belichick deserve to run their course and step out on their terms. And and that's the part where it's going to be tough for the owner because, look, I want to win. This isn't acceptable. How have we gone three years and we haven't won a playoff game? 
but he's earned that right. You know, Bobby Bowden with the Florida State Seminoles, I, I believe he earned that right to step away when he did in college, and Florida State didn't let him, and there was a lot of backlash for that. So as tough as it is, I think Kraft's got to just understand, encourage him to step away, but I think he needs to let Belichick determine when he's going to leave the team. Yeah, if Belichick doesn't shock us all, uh, because everything I see has the Patriots finishing last in that division, mm -hmm. then I think that, yes, Robert Kraft has to give him the opportunity to walk away, making it clear, if you don't, you're going to put me in a really bad position. So just walk away. You know somebody else will take you, something like right. that. Um, so Nate Davis in his column, the ones, a couple that jumped out of me, he says the guy that's on the hot seat is Ron Rivera of the Commanders. I mean, what a terrible job to begin with. I don't know. Yeah, plus you're going to new ownership. So, you know, anytime you got a new owner coming in, they're going to want their people. I, I mean, unless he goes on and has an outstanding season, and I'm not saying making the playoffs, which actually to me is a really good season for the commanders, but they're going to have to advance into like the NFC title game <laughs> or a Super Bowl appearance when you have new ownership coming in. They want their people. I mean, can you blame them? I bought the team. Don't I want to hire the general manager, the front office, and the head coach to do what I want them to do. I don't want the prior team's management in there. So he he's a given. I, I don't think he sticks around at all. The other one that jumped out to me, because it does seem like this is almost always a possibility, is Mike McCarthy of the Cowboys. I mean, Jerry Jones doesn't have a lot of patience. Uh, Cowboys uh, got the divisional round defeat at San Francisco last season and McCarthy's taken on the play calling this year which he hasn't done in five seasons so it's really all on his shoulders and if the Cowboys don't come out of the gate and if Dak Wilson Dak Prescott is healthy I don't think McCarthy makes it the whole season if the Cowboys are spiraling everything you say makes sense for a normal organization <laughs> when you said Jerry Jones doesn't have patience he doesn't but understand he had a lot of patience with Jason Garrett, the prior head coach that we kept thinking would go away because the rest of us in the country would have <laughs> fired him. But that position to me really is a puppet position. You have to find a person who's willing to take the job, do what Jerry Jones says, not push blame to Jerry Jones and that's where I'm not sure that even if they don't make the playoffs, he'll be gone because who? how many people are really going to step into that role? It's coaching America's team. I get it. But are you really coaching America's team? Well, and the, the, to that point, a lot of uh, hubbub a couple of weeks ago when the Cowboys acquired Trey Lance and Jerry Jones made it clear in multiple interviews, he didn't talk to anybody, and I don't have to. I'm the owner. He didn't talk to Dak Prescott. He didn't He didn't tell McCarthy until it was done. And that's the part where that, that role, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, I believe is different than any other head coaching job in the entire NFL. And you have to have a person who's willing to take the blame when it goes wrong, not get credit when it goes right because it's got to go to the owner and do what the owner says, even though it's your team supposedly to be the head coach and be willing to do that. That's a tough ask from anyone. All right, I got this email, uh, rad at radradio.com from Tony, who says the Travis Kelsey news dropped yesterday afternoon. If it's a serious or nagging injury, 
That could take him out for extended periods of time. The Chiefs' chances of repeating as back-to-back Super Bowl champs dwindles due to the fact that the AFC is the better conference right now and every game counts. I haven't heard an update on the long-term prognosis of that, but that is that does sting a little bit. Oh, a- absolutely it does. And at the start of the season, uh, everything I've read is it's not expected to be serious. It's a hyperextended knee. He's going to be out for a little bit. I believe the backup tight end is Noah Gray, so he will step in here nowhere near the tight end Kelsey is. is you know, Kelsey's going to go to the Hall of Fame. But it does hurt it, but it's still the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Kelsey can miss a few games here and there. They just need him healthy at the end of the season is the big part. Let him rest. Don't rush him back. You know, if you start the season two and two, don't panic because at the end of the year, and we watched it last year, you know, they just finished strong. And, you know, early on there was questions, ooh, are the Chiefs done? And, you know, you finish strong. They'll be there, but Kelsey is a big part of it, and hopefully it's not a serious injury. We uh, we referenced earlier uh, one of the big question marks literally right now this moment uh, for the San Francisco 49ers is Nick Bosa, who the latest report I have uh, is that they have offered him $30 million a year. Nothing's been done yet. There keeps being wildly different reports. It, you, you, do a, you do a search for the latest on Nick Bosa. You get, uh, you get headlines that they're extremely close, and you get headlines that they're worlds apart. Uh, I know that uh, Mike Tomlin has said the Steelers, who the Niners play in Pittsburgh this Sunday, are preparing for Bosa to be on the field. Reports are Bosa is staying game ready if it happens. But the the Niners, they need Bosa to to go the long haul. And I, I believe they'll get this done, but I don't think you want to go too many games without him. You don't. And not sure if this stat is, but I believe the 49ers without Bosa are 5-10 and 10 during the games that he hasn't played. He is such a huge part of that defense. It's a really good defense. But he makes the defense go because he's such a dominating player that it opens up everything else there. The reports that I have read, one, he's going to get more than the $28 million that T.J. Watt got. So he's going to be the highest paid pass rusher in the NFL. The question is, is, is he going to top Aaron Donald, who's making $31 million a year? Or, you know, where is it going to end up? You know, and the the 49ers brought in Hargraves, you know, that was a four-year, $84 million contract. So you're sitting there going, I have this guy sitting and playing right next to me. He's making 21. I am so much better than him. This is where the ego gets in play, and this is where I struggle a little bit (laughs) because like Tom Brady or dislike Tom Brady, the thing I respected about him is his contract was never about ego. It was never, I have to be the highest paid player. He understood, do you want to win or do you want to get paid for your ego? If Bosa makes $30 million a year, I think he's going to be able to live comfortably for the rest of his life. His children will live comfortably and his grandchildren will live comfortably. This part with him falls into ego, and I get it. You are the best defensive player in the NFL. You want to be paid as the best defensive player in the NFL, but there is a cost to your team. And if it means that you no longer have the talent to win and be at the elite team, you know, is it that important or would you rather 
have shots to win Super Bowls every year, make $30 million as opposed to $35 million, and know that I got a shot to win it every year. Yeah, and, and with, with Bosa in particular, this example, I mean, they are – the Niners have perennially been on the precipice of they're Super Bowl ready, they're Super Bowl ready. You want to win Super Bowls, now's the time. But you see this – I, I kind of chuckle at this stuff, and I know this is the stuff that actually gets some sports fans really irritated, seeing multimillionaires argue over a million dollars a year. And and you bring up ego. We saw this with the quarterback signings. You, mm-hmm. If you track it in the offseason, every quarterback, and, and in the NFL, I always remind everybody, the guaranteed money is what matters. That's Correct. That's the number. But they come up with these asinine formulas where, First guy signs in the offseason, and he's making $49.5 million a year on the, on the average. Oh, the next guy, of course, is going to make fifty, and then it's fifty and a half, and then it's 51. Okay, yes, Nick Bosa is the best. He wants to be paid $1 million bucks, and apparently the Niners have offered him 30 And mm-hmm. the highest-paid guy gets 31 yep. At what point does somebody go on one side or the other? Fine. Fine, thirty-one and a half million, or fine. I'll take thirty million. And you bring up on Bosa's side, dude. You're the best in the game, uneasily one of the three, great best teams, the position to get to the to to the Super Bowl. And I understand. Look, football players' career is very short. Make your money while you can. And we're watching this play out with running backs. And I really feel sorry for the running backs because the NFL has really devalued that position. We're never going to pay you. Running backs take such a beating. If you're able to play in the league more than five or six years and be productive, you've had a really good career. I mean, look at Zeke Elliott. I, I mean, he's pretty much out. I mean, he's in the league, but he's no longer there. You got a short window to make your money. So I understand that. But, you know, when you're talking, you know, guaranteed money of $120 million or $140 million, <laughs> To me, once you get past $100 million, isn't it just numbers on paper? Yes, it's, uh, it's generational wealth. Come on. Yeah. Um, and, and with some of these positions where they get really beat up, we're not talking about kickers here, the way things are structured, they, if they, especially if they come out of the gate and they're really impressive as rookies and in their second year, the way things are, they don't necessarily have a, a path to that guaranteed money. And by the time they get there, it's not like the rest of the league doesn't know what we're talking about. And they go, he's going to flame out in a couple years. And and that's where a lot of these guys, they have careers of five, six years. And a lot of them do make millions. Some make tens of millions. But when you compare, they could have had things gone differently. They could have had that, that generational wealth. And they get beat up so badly, they don't get the opportunity. Correct. And, that, and that's the sad part. And, you know, you could say that, well, it's on the players' union to argue that in. And you become a free agent after two years in the league. But as a fan, do you really want... You're, you get a great draft pick. Hey, look, I get him for two years, and then he goes elsewhere, especially for the small market teams. I mean, who's ever going to really sign in Detroit or Cleveland or, you know, with the commanders? You're not going to get those. They're all going to want to sign with the Chiefs and the Cowboys and the 49ers. So you can't really do what we would view as fair by allowing these players, look, you got a small window to earn your money. Let's allow you to have that because they will be leaving and going to other teams and and you're making half the league irrelevant in every way, because even if they get a good player, you know, Barry Sanders would have left Detroit in two years. <laughs> He'd have never stayed Calvin Johnson, et cetera. They would never have re-signed no matter how much they offered them. And, and that's the reason you can't really go there because 
as an owner, do I really want to draft a guy? Hey, look, I have two great drafts, and the players are all gone in year three. So we alluded to uh, the Cardinals uh, tanking. This is a, this is a weird story. If you follow the NFL, you remember it was just was it a year or le- or, or two? The whole Kyler Murray weird contract thing gave him over a hundred million dollars guaranteed. There was that clause where he had to study. And then they took that clause out. Everybody was wondering, did he even want to be there? Did he want to go play baseball for the A's? Um, and now he's hurt. He's out for for at least four weeks. The last last thing I've heard with an ACL tear. They get rid of Colt McCoy, a decent veteran backup, uh, and a lot of people like uh, Phil Sims, Bill Cower, and others are publicly saying that they're clearly tanking. They're going after Caleb Williams, a quarterback, the top pick in the 2024 draft. I mean, they really are making it look obvious. I assume the path forward is you trade Kyler Murray. You already have the number one pick, and you start over. Do you keep Kyler Murray? Or, I mean, how's that go? You're paying Kyler Murray far too much money to let him sit on the bench. You do get the advantage of, hey, look, it's a a rookie, so I'm on a rookie contract, so it's not the huge money that you have. But right now, they're sitting here with Clayton Toon, their fifth-round draft pick quarterback out of Houston, and Joshua Dobbs, who played briefly with the Titans last year. He'd also been with the Steelers in prior year. Letting Colt McCoy send a signal, look, we're not expecting to win. So the Cardinals start off 0-4. Is Kyler Murray really ready to play week five? I don't believe so. So now they go to 0-5. Hey, let's sit him one more week because we want him to be 100%. Now they go to 0-6. To me, they pull the plug at that point going, we're 0-6. We have a shot to get the number one draft pick. And I'd be surprised if Kyler Murray comes out and plays. I mean, they... I don't know enough about how the NFL works with player contracts on that. If Connor Murray has an action to say, look, I'm healthy to play. They're not playing me in any way, which I don't think he has that right. But boy, if I was Kyler Murray, I would be all over the press saying, look, I'm 100% healthy. They're tanking and force the NFL to do something with that because the NFL is a competitive league. Teams, even though we're saying they're tanking, need to be trying to show they're winning and I, I don't think the Cardinals play him unless they're forced to. Well, and I would think, too, it would also depend on where Kyler Murray's head is at because I, I don't think there's a lot of love lost there to begin with. And and maybe what the avenue he takes is he demands a trade because there's going to be a major quarterback injured by the midway point, and Kyler Murray would be at the top of anyone's list to go to a contender. Okay. You're the 49ers. You're built to win right now. <laughs> and Brock Purdy goes down. Sam Darnold goes down. Take him. Are you giving up two first-round picks well, to get Kyler Murray and absorbing the $140 million contract in hopes that he can help you win and take you to the Super Bowl? I mean, obviously, the 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 poison pill in that specific example is all the draft picks they gave up for Trey Lance. And, yep. and now they go in even deeper, but, but Brock Purdy's injured. What has, I mean, has Sam Donald shown us anything over the last game or two when he, when he plays for Purdy? I mean, it's, it's hard. And to- the guaranteed money. Ugh. 
And and if Bosa signs what we all believe he's going to sign it, and I think today's the deadline date to play week one. I think he needs to sign today in order to play. I don't think it's going to be I can sign Thursday and still play. I think for me, if I'm the 49ers, today's the deadline day. And you know what? It's a non-conference game, non-division game. They're playing the Steelers. If they lose it, it's not the end of the world. Obviously, you want to win every game. Uh, but be glad it's not the Seahawks or something like that the 49ers are opening with. But it's guaranteed money on Kyler Murray. I mean, and if you are, you know, you're the Steelers and you think you got a shot, are you really going to give up the future assets and absorb that contract for a guy who's coming off an ACL? And we all know if you take away Kyler Murray's speed, he's worthless. So are you taking that gamble? Man. I really hope we don't have to have this conversation again during the season. <laughs> um, hey, remember remember, I did give you that Trey Lance would go down early in the season. Yes. At one point, it would turn that 49er season. That's what you had to hope for last year. And it came with just, unfortunately, the 49ers didn't go to the Super Bowl. Um, so, uh, a spoiler alert, I know, that Steve, as far as I understand it, you're sticking with uh, the, pretty, uh, speaking of last year, uh, a close pick to last year for the, the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, Chiefs, Niners, but the Niners win this time. If everyone stays healthy, that's what you're going with for the Super Bowl. Yes, I have the 49ers. If they can stay healthy, will win the Super Bowl over the Chiefs. And, and really just kind of looking at it, the Eagles have so much talent, but we all know the team that goes to the Super Bowl and loses the next year usually has a step back. I'm curious in the sense of the Eagles lost their offensive coordinator. They lost their defensive coordinator. You know, how is Jalen Hurts' development going to continue? You know, is he going to be the guy we saw last year, or is he going to be the guy who was in the league the first couple of years and there was big questions? So to me, the Eagles are the best out of the East. The North, the Lions are favored, but I don't think the Lions are a serious threat. You know, the Vikings, Bears, Packers, you can't take any of them serious. The South, there's the Saints, and I have high hopes for that offense, but – you know, are the Saints really an elite team? Falcons, Panthers, Bucks, nothing there. And I think the Niners are clearly the best in their division. I think the Seahawks might take a little bit step backwards because Geno Smith had a great year last year. I don't think he's that good. He's not going to lead the NFL in completions again this year. And the Rams, that whole roster is overturning. <laughs> and the Cardinals, obviously, we're seeing their tanking. So to me, the 49ers... The only team that can really challenge the 49ers are the Eagles. In the in the whole conference. In, in the NFC, yes. So, uh, um, and, and I I do lean towards the Niners Chiefs, unfortunately, because I'm a I'm a wounded child. I, I just feel like the Niners go and they lose to the Chiefs again. Uh, but uh, that that is what I lean towards. But but there's a few one of the fun things about today and the whole weekend is you get to look at like, all the experts, as you said uh, to me recently. This is what's so great. You can take. Mm -hmm. Four dozen former players, guys who have spent their entire careers watching and writing about and talking about the NFL, and you can get four dozen predictions because that. And we we might have the same six or eight teams involved, but the way we match them up in terms of this is the Super Bowl uh, is always wild. So if you and I lean towards the Chiefs Niners for the Super Bowl, CBS Sports says Bengals beat the Cowboys. I see the Bengals. That's legit. I'm not sure I believe in the Cowboys getting all the way there. I, I still struggle with the Cowboys as long as Jerry Jones owns the team. He just finds ways to mess it up. 
because he has to have that total control. And, and talented team, good team. They need Dak Prescott to come back. But if you really look at Dak Prescott's career, when the Cowboys were successful, they were running the ball, and they were one of the best rushing teams in the NFL and allowed Dak Prescott to throw 25, 28 passes a game. He was very efficient, and that's how it succeeded. The Cowboys, when they rely on Prescott to win the game throwing it, just aren't as good of a team. And, and that's what it seems is everyone wants Dak to carry the team. Dak's not a carrying quarterback. So uh, I, the USA – no, this I'm sorry, NFL.com. Uh, to your point about the only team that can really challenge the Niners in the NFC, you said was the, the Eagles. Um, so NFL.com, had they put up their predictions from 33 – Analysts, experts, former coaches like Mariucci, all the players you see on NFL Network. Um, two of them, two of them have your pick. Niners beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Three of them have my gut that the Chiefs beat the Niners. But what I thought was interesting to the point you just made is of 33 experts, fifth, the number one team they have going to the Super Bowl is the Niners. 15 of them say the Niners are going. Ooh. 13 of them say the Eagles are going. Well, if my math is on, that's 28. There's only four other NFC teams they're even considering getting there. It's it's Correct. Eagles Niners uh, for for the NFC. See so the overwhelming number of these guys that are picking. Um, so the uh, of the 15 that have the Niners going, two of them have them beat the Chiefs, as I mentioned. One of them have them beat the Jets. That's kind of my my weird dream scenario, just because of the backstory of Aaron Rodgers, who the Niners passed over, Bay Area kid playing the Niners. I don't love the idea of the Niners losing to him. Um, one of them has the Niners beating the Bills, and the other 11 have the Niners losing the Super Bowl to either the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, or the Jets. Three of them have the Jets beating the Niners in the Super Bowl. That one seems the least likely, but who knows? Yeah, the, the AFC to me is really wide open. Joe Burrow's health, what's he going to do there? You, you know, you look at that AFC East with the Bills, Josh Allen, they still haven't addressed their running game. We've seen this for the last three years. Get him some help so Josh Allen doesn't have to throw the ball every single play to have a chance to win. The Dolphins are going to be good. We've talked about the Jets. They're going to be good. You know, the, the North, the Bengals, Joe Burrow needs to be healthy. The Ravens, Lamar Jackson, as long as they're out front and they're able to run the ball, this is going to be a really good team. A dark horse I'm going to throw here is the Steelers. If if Kenny Pickett can really step it up, the Steelers have two good running backs. If Pickett can take that big step forward, Mike Tomlin goes to the playoffs, it seems, every single year. He's a really good head coach. Not that I say the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl, but the Steelers are a team I think could be better than people are thinking you know, the Browns, the Sean Watson, he was awful last year <laughs> when he returned. I'm not sure he's ever going to get back to form. So to me, the Browns, I think, are going to take a step back. The South, you look at that, and the Jaguars are clearly the best team there. The Titans, Colts, Texans, nobody gives them a shot at all uh, to do anything. I mean, I think all three teams are over 100 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, that usually doesn't happen. Normally, there's a second team in there that, hey, look, they can compete for the division. Not there. And the West, I'm really intrigued with, with the Chargers. But they always find ways to lose those big games. The Raiders are nothing. If Russell Wilson can turn around, 
Broncos will be really good. And that's another team that I think if you believe in Russell Wilson, this is going to be a much better team than is out there for season win totals and, you know, division odds, AFC odds and Super Bowl odds. But if Sean Payton can't turn Russell Wilson around, the Chiefs win that division fairly easily. Yeah, and I, I would say, if you, for me, from my perspective, it's you, if you believe in Sean Payton, then yeah. the, it could be a, a, it could be. And I wouldn't necessarily say the Broncos would be a dark horse because I think Sean Payton right away elevates them to at least being competitive. And, and I don't know if I have a dark horse yet, but I have a reverse dark horse, and you mentioned them. I think the Chargers are going to be very disappointing compared to expectations. For what you said and, and other reasons, I'm, I'm not convinced their coach is spot on. And, and I know they're talented. I know they're loaded. But they might be the ones that halfway through the season we're going, well, okay, they're not, they're not competing. I, I agree with you. And it's funny because you bring that up. Herbert is one of my favorite quarterbacks. Behind Joe Burrow, I think I have Herbert as my second favorite quarterback to watch in the league. But the jury's still out on Brandon Staley as the head coach. Is he any good? I mean, what is he, season three here? And we still have no idea if he can coach at all. You know, Bosa, dominating, dominating player. He's got to stay healthy, though. And if he doesn't stay healthy, the defense really isn't that good. So a lot of questions there, a lot of talent, but Man, talk about a team that has always underperformed expectations. By the way, uh, your your pick of the Steelers as your dark horse doesn't exactly exude confidence in me with the Niners going to Pittsburgh for, for week one, with or without the other Bosa. And, and, and I will tell you, one of the things you see the 49ers sitting at two and a half here, I'm really hoping that this line reaches three because I would like the Steelers at plus three. I'm not, I'm not saying the two and a half because at two and a half, you really got to say, they're going to win this game, and I'm not that confident that they're going to win the game. Uh, I think it's more of a pick em game, but if I can get the three in that field goal, I'm really looking at the Steelers in that game if it gets to three. By the way, speaking of uh, dark horses, Raul wrote in, uh, RAD at radradio.com. He says the Jaguars are my dark horse team to make a deep run into the playoffs and maybe – even host the AFC championship due to the fact that they are in a weak division. I say Jaguars host the Ravens and lose. Eagles host the Niners. The Eagles lose, and we have a Niners-Ravens Super Bowl with the Niners winning it all. How far off is Raul? You know, one of the things I like that Raul did here, and, and it's one of the things I always look at, is you try to find a team that you think is easily going to win their division and doesn't have any competition. Mm -hmm. That usually sets a team up to have home field advantage possibly in the conference because they're going to have a much better record because they're playing weak opponents. So the Jags fall into that. I think they win this division. They have no competition there. The Jags are a team on the rise. Trevor Lawrence needs to take that next step up there. Doug Peterson is a really good head coach. I like it. I just don't think they're talented enough to like win the AFC because there's a lot of good teams there and go to the Super Bowl. But for the and their odds really aren't that big. I mean, I think you're looking at the Jags at 28 to 30 or 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. So it's not like they're a long shot, but I like Rose view on this i think he's looking at it properly and find me a division winner that's got an easy schedule because it's going to give them home field for one or two games in the playoffs 
which home field always gives you that advantage. So I don't have one that has an easier chance. But and I know I, I, and I know you you have no sympathy for me when I refer to myself as a wounded child of a of a, an NFL team that's gone to multiple Super Bowls, won five, and in modern times keeps losing them. As a Detroit Lions fan, you've got one win, no appearance in seven years. The win came back when I was starting my career, I think, ninety uh, one. Is that when you won uh, the the playoffs? Uh, 91 or 93 it's been a long i I have the the tape of it on a (laughs) vcr tape if you ever want to sit and watch it but i don't think i have a vcr player anymore i I have the tape but no player that that would be the challenge but but you can't like i said you can't make the same case that they might be like the jaguars but we don't know anything about the packers this year i think you and i agree the vikings are going the wrong way the bears everything comes down to whether or not justin fields it, it does something you already mentioned their coaches in the hot seat i mean the lions were much improved last year almost got there they might have a path to a 10 or 11 win season i think they easily have a path to a 10 or 11 win season i just I've been crushed far too many times, you know, and I, and I sent you a, a video talking oh. about uh, one of those, and it was on Instagram and I just saw it and said, yep, this is it. And it was an explanation as to why the lions are the worst franchise in sports, not the NFL in sports. And they got into, they've had like, you know, nine, 10 win seasons in 90 years. The most they've ever won in a season was 12 games like once and it just went through the whole thing i think it's there for the lions i really do i think they could be the third best team in the nfc and depending on how injuries fall and stuff like that but i just can't get my hopes up there because i i don't know if you understand how crushed (laughs) i would be if they go out this year and lay another egg because this is the best team we've had in a long, long time, and if they go out and lay another egg and go like six and eleven, I will, I will be hating life. And they are getting the hype too. I mean, there's a lot of people yeah. talking about how improved they, and they should be from from what we've seen. And a lot of people love Dan Campbell's uh, old school coaching style. Uh, yeah, which, which you know, one of the questions I asked this week to some friends. Is there another team in the NFL that their head coach is probably bigger, stronger? It looks better than any other player on the team. It looks like he could kick any of their butts. I mean, you got some big coaches, but Dan Campbell's ripped. Yeah. This guy is big. I mean, every player on the team's got to respect him because he's played in the NFL. He can probably outlift them. <laughs> he's in better shape than a lot of players. And you just you can't really say anything to the head coach because he's one of the baddest men in the room. Yeah, and he has the attitude to go with it and then right. what you described to back it up. So, uh, last look at the, the NFL.com thing. There's not a lot of, like, jump-out things except one to me. Uh, it, so uh, 13 of them have the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. 12 have the Chiefs. That makes sense. The Bills, the Bengals. The one that got me was the one I alluded to earlier. Four of the 33 experts at NFL.com have the Jets going all the way to the Super Bowl. Every one of them has them playing the Niners. Three of them have them beating the Niners. One have lose to the Niners. That I look, I know Aaron Rodgers is is captivating a lot of people. That seems like that would be not quite a Joe Namath story, but a big one. And I think that's why you're seeing it as you were saying, there's so much to this story. If the Jets can play the 49ers in the Super Bowl, you see Aaron Rodgers, who's 
the last couple of years looked disinterested in Green Bay, upset with management, goes to a new team, the Big Apple, New York, big sports market, leads them to the it, – it's a great storyline. And to me, the four who picked that scenario are probably caught up in the storyline versus what they think will actually happen. I think it should – and I agree. It is a fantastic storyline. It's just – I'm not sold that that's going to happen. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick look at week one. We're not going to do every single game or anything, but, I mean, we got to talk about your team. Tomorrow night, they get the season opener, NFL, primetime, Thursday night football. They're at the Kansas City Chiefs. We've already gone over how you're long-suffering. Do you give your Lions any shot? And I'm going to let you know, I was looking at this when the Chiefs were six, six and a half. I was looking at the Lions go, this team can cover. I don't – I don't think the Lions are going to win, but I really believe they're going to keep this game close. Chiefs came out with a lot of injuries yesterday. A lot of players may not play, you know, and so this line has dropped down to four and a half. Now it's like, uh, if it gets to four, I'd probably start looking at the Chiefs because I do believe the Chiefs will win the game. But early on when this line came out, you you saw a lot of six and a half, and I was really hoping – Get to seven. And, and that's a big part of sports betting is you want key numbers. You want the threes, you want the fours, you want the sevens, et cetera. And it was that get me to seven, and I really like the Lions. We're down to four and a half, which also means a lot of people for betting interests mm -hmm. are on that Lions hype as well. Uh, and the injuries yesterday that hit the Chiefs, I'm waiting to see the injury reports today to see if it was more of a Bill Belichick. We're going to list everybody to kind of make everything look like, oh, yeah, we're really not that healthy, and then come out and smash it. But the Lions, uh, the right cornerback, Mosley, he is going to be out. The Lions secondary, they rebuilt it. It's been a big weakness for this team in the past, but they've already lost one of their starters in that secondary who won't be playing in this game. And, and that's where I think the Lions can play them tough. I just don't think they can win this game. Yeah, and, and if we find out today – that Travis Kelsey is fine and he'll be starting. Then we know they pulled a Belichick, but that that's going to affect things. I, I would think, I mean, you, you can tell us he's out lions for sure. For, yeah, for the betting line. Right. You could, you come out with a hyperextended knee. You're not playing tomorrow. If you find out he's playing, you know, the NFL, and this is one of the things in, in my business with, the NFL and all these sports leagues, integrity, integrity, integrity. you got to pay us an integrity fee. If it comes out and he's able to play, I'm calling BS on someone. Yeah. Because there's no way if you have a hyperextended knee, you're now able to play two days later. Either you made up the injury to move the line or whatever you want to say, and that's not right. So to me, Kelsey can't play because if he does – I think there's something wrong with the way the NFL does their injury reports. You already alluded to how you feel about the Niners, Steelers, and where that line would need to go. I think the marquee matchup of week one is Monday night, intentionally. Bills at Aaron Rodgers, Jets. The Sunday night game, Cowboys at the Giants, meh. I mean, the Giants were surprisingly good last year. Okay, then that's a classic rivalry, as is Packers-Bears. Maybe we get an idea there. Raiders-Broncos, rivalry. Sean Payton era begins. Uh, Philadelphia at the Patriots could be interesting. Do the Patriots get blown out by one of the two best teams in the NFC? But pick pick whatever, what I mentioned or, or something else. Are there games that you're like, 
I can't wait to see this. I'm watching this. This could be a huge story, that kind of thing. Well, one of the games I am watching is the Dolphins at the Chargers. Again, Chargers, to me, always seem to – it's sitting at three. That's one of those if I can get to the three and a half. And there were three and a halves. And this is the sad part that frustrates me, say, with mixed picks, is I don't want to come out with picks two, three weeks ahead of time, so I try to come out to it close to game time. But a lot of these games seem to be moving – you know, away from what I'm looking at, because if I can get the Dolphins at three and a half, I do like them in this game. I like the Broncos. I I I like the Broncos at minus three and a half. I do believe the Raiders are a train wreck. <laughs> and God, I have such faith in Sean Payton that he can find a way that even if Russell Wilson won't be the quarterback we came to know, he'll still manage the offense, not turn the ball over. Because Russell Wilson with Seattle really didn't turn the ball over that much. So he was able to control it and be that game manager. And I think Sean Payton, if even if he just has the game manager, is still going to be able to find ways to win. And, and the other game, and, and this is the one I really like, I like the Saints minus three against the Titans. I don't think the Titans are that good. I have high expectations for the Saints offense. So I can tell you right now that the Saints minus three is one of the games that I will be posting because I do like the Saints in this matchup. And just in general, from comments you've made or texts we've exchanged, you you are pretty high on the Dolphins overall this year. I think the Dolphins are going to be a really good team. I, I can't throw them as a dark horse because they are really talented. So I, I don't you know, I think they will make the playoffs. Um so I can't say they're a dark horse, more like I say the Steelers, who I would believe most people do not have the Steelers making the playoffs. But I think the Dolphins are going to be good. Does this uh, does this Monday night game, Bills at Jets, Aaron Rodgers debut in New York? Does this is this love is this going to live up to the hype? I hope so. You, you know, I, I'm I, I want it to live up to the hype. I'm just not. I got to see it. You got to convince me that the Jets are this good for me to jump on all the hype that's with them. And a new quarterback going to this team, to me, it always takes a little bit of time to get the chemistry. And, you know, that's why they did bring in Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard to help with that chemistry. You know, Wilson's a top-notch wide receiver. But, you know, Brees Hall was their lead running back last year. He suffered a, I believe it was an ACL injury or he had an injury last season. They're going to bring him up. He's actually ready to come back. They didn't think he'd be ready at the beginning of the season, but he's going to be on a pitch count. He's only going to get so many carries, which is where Delvin Cook fits in greatly as that additional running back there. I just, you know, the Jets, I'm just not sold that they're that good. So you got to prove it to me. If we go back to the Niners game real quick, if the Niners don't get the Bosa deal done, and, I mean, again, the reports are all over the place that, that they have until Friday uh, or, or Thursday or, like, tomorrow or Friday to get them on the team playing kind of thing, or they've got to get it done today. If they don't have Bosa, and given your optimism for the Steelers, just on a win-lose, do you get more nervous about the Niners in their, in their road opener? Uh, if Bosa's not playing, I like the Steelers. I, I think it's a 50-50 shot here. And if you can give me, you know, the Steelers plus a buck ten on the money line, you know, all they got to do is win the game. It's something I would be looking at. The problem is, is if they don't get Bosa signed here soon, um, this line's going to drop, I believe, a little bit more than what it is. A couple of days ago, it was a two and a half. It's down to twos. 
There is a one and a half that's out there now. So I I think other people are looking at it in the same way. And I want to see Brock Purdy. And I am becoming a Brock Purdy believer, obviously, (laughs) if I have him going to the Super Bowl and winning. But I want to see how, you know, he got hurt at the end of the year. Let's see if, is he fully recovered or are the 49ers kind of rushing him a little bit? And is he going to be as comfortable immediately in the game? Or are we going to see like what we saw with Trey Lance last year at the Bears, a game the Niners should never have lost, who just wasn't comfortable the entire time because he hadn't been playing and, you know, early in the season and he struggled a bit. Did I hear you call the Raiders a train wreck? I think they're a train wreck. They're that bad. They've been a train wreck. It's sad. And don't get me wrong, people who see me, I have Raider gear, and I know I'm a Lions fan. But it's tough to get Lions gear, so you got to (laughs) kind of wear NFL stuff. You got to – and, you know, the Raiders are in Vegas. So I I want to find a way to support the Raiders. I just haven't gotten there yet. And the Chandler Jones incident that just came up with that – to, to me, just, again, this signal. Here it is. We're going into the season, and it's all messed up in team chemistry and what's going on. You're not letting the guy – you know, and there's more to the story we don't know, but he really called out Josh McDaniels. And if he, who's supposed to be one of the leaders on the team and a captain, is calling out Josh McDaniels, you're not telling me other players aren't right with him in that. They just – don't go out and say it publicly, which again gets into why I say they're probably a train wreck. Uh, and not to gloss over the Sunday night game because it is a big rivalry. The Cowboys at the Giants, and the Giants, they went a lot further last year than everybody or anybody expected. Um, that game, just because it's a rivalry and it's those two teams, I mean, that has to be somewhat. Comp- we haven't talked about the Giants almost this entire podcast, but they went deep into the playoffs last year. I like the Cowboys in this spot at, at minus three. I know it's opening week, opening game, Cowboys on the road Sunday night. I'm just not sold Daniel Jones as any good. Prior to last year, this guy was a turnover machine. Last year, he didn't turn the ball over. And, and I love their head coach, Brian DeVall. I think he is one of the best new coaches in this league. I love what he does. He took Daniel Jones from an awful quarterback to a very good quarterback. I just don't believe Jones is that good. I think he has some regression there. And and I think the Cowboys have a little bit to prove here. And and I think McCarthy, because if they come out and they lose week one, as you said, McCarthy in the hot seat, oh my gosh, Cowboy fans are going to lose their mind. And it's week one. The season's a long season. But there's going to be a lot of talk on Monday morning if the Cowboys lose that game. I think the Giants are in different ways similar to the Broncos as well in that the the faith and the hope relies on the head coach there. Obviously, yeah. the Broncos have a much more proven quarterback potentially to, to get them there. But I, they – See, I would I would have them as my other team, like the Chargers, most likely to fall furthest except for uh, the head coach, who I, who I think is similar to Dan Campbell of the Lions. He's not going to take a lot of crap. He's going to do everything he can to will them to victories. Right, and a big thing people are overlooking is Daniel Jones got the big contract. They, they franchise tag Saquon Barkley. Barkley's not happy. He's been really vocal. Him and Jonathan Taylor have both been really vocal in this offseason, and the Giants, for them to even have a chance, they need Saquon Barkley to be a Pro Bowl running back. And if he's unhappy, he doesn't want to be there. They're not giving him his money. And he doesn't play anywhere close to his potential. Daniel Jones will never lead this team. 
to the playoffs. Call of emails to wrap us up. Uh, thanks to Randall, who uh, sent in rad at radradio.com. Simply said, lovely, loving every millisecond of this. Bravo. Thank you, Randall. We appreciate it. So are we, by the way. I mean, this is yes. I mean, giddy time. Uh, all right. Let's see. This is from Michael. He says, hey, Rob and Steve, who, <laughs> who is your most loathsome possible Super Bowl matchup? Mine would be so that he's not going, I don't think, with like most boring He's going with, I, I, there's no one I can root for here is how I take this. Mine would be, he writes, the Jets and the Cowboys. That might be your pick, Steve, because I can't stand Aaron Rodgers and or the Cowboys getting another ring. Yeah, he he's right up there. Oof. Um, Oof. I'm trying to, Oh, that's I mean, for just oh. teams and players I hate, that 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 are good that could be there i would probably i i think for me he nailed it i mean there's other teams i just really don't like you know last thing i want to see is the commanders in the super bowl oh god i mean come on you you know but but that's not a i hate aaron Rodgers or i hate the jets or i hate the packers that's just the i just dislike the franchise you know as a whole um the jets cowboys for two good teams that should and could have a chance i think that's a great matchup and gosh i would hate that yeah a great matchup if you're trying to pick the worst for i mean the cowboys as a niner fan i have to hate them and the the only little silver lining there is my wife's from dallas and is a fan and and is a, a a decently you know informed fan but i don't need a cowboys fan living with me that's won the super bowl or even gone to the super bowl Aaron Rodgers just soured a lot of it. I mean, it, it is hard for me. I mean, uh, the Vikings, just because Kirk Cousins, I don't really want to see that, but it's not worse than what uh, what Michael suggested. That is, I mean, that is a tough one to – I'll give it some thought, but I, I – wow, that's hey, awful. And, Rob, I'm in your same boat, and I think you already know this. I have an autographed Troy Aikman helmet, official helmet, in my house because my wife – was a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I feel your pain. I've lived your pain for 32 years. Are you and and you could legitimately have what Christina and I have had the last few years. I mean, you could have a Lions Cowboys playoff game this year. Yeah, I think my wife has learned though that she'd end up rooting for the Lions because oh, she just yeah. doesn't want the aftermath. It's like, <laughs> yeah, they made me my team, but man, I don't want to live with him for the whole off season. And have to go through this. So just let the Lions win because it's not that important to me. By the way, Michael did say, uh, by the way, I'm a Lions fan. And I would love to have the Super Bowl be a repeat of the season opener, Lions Chiefs. He says, please don't let the Lions crush me again. I think you share that <laughs> that sentiment. <laughs> they always find a way. Always find a way. Thank you, Steve. This was so much fun. Uh, and we'll, we're going to get into other sports as we do this more. There was no way to avoid just diving all the way through uh, the NFL with the season opening uh, tomorrow. But we'll be here every Wednesday all the way through the Super Bowl at least and uh, and, and maybe go from there because there's plenty of baseball we could be talking about already. And we'll get into that and and so much uh, more. So uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, We'll see you next Wednesday. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. That does it for episode one of Mixed Picks on Rad TV. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. or anytime afterwards you can watch or listen at members.radradio.com. And every Mixed Picks on Rad TV podcast is available across all podcasting platforms weekly on Thursdays. And if you want to hear Steve even more, 
He joins us Mondays and Fridays during football season on RadRadio.com. You can be part of our uh, pigskin picks and see how you do picking against us. That's just winners and losers, no point spreads. Uh, That is also available at members.radradio.com. We will see you next week.